As Linda shared earlier, we had a great week at our convening annual conference uh, this past weekend. We had a great team representing our church there, uh, as well as had some, had some sweet moments for several of our clergy. Robert McCormick, who will be coming as our associate pastor in just two weeks, uh, was ordained as an elder. Uh, Linda had already been ordained as a deacon, but reordained technically as, as an elder uh, this past week, so we celebrate uh, with her. Corey is continuing as local licensed pastor, but this June will be ordained elder at the next annual conference, and then Tracy Thompson and Roger Wasson uh, have been commissioned uh, as a supply uh, pastor, so we're excited for them. Uh, matter of fact, we have been asked, we're next. They've asked Madison Methodist Church, would you host the next annual conference? And so in June, some of you will be called upon uh, to help with that, but it's going to be a sweet moment that Corey can be ordained uh, right here uh, this June. So it was a great week of teaching, a great week of, of connection uh, with, with, with friends and new friends from West Tennessee, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, but it was a great time with our bishop and uh, with other brothers and sisters in Christ. But this week, as we're looking at Ephesians 2, and we're staying in Ephesians 2, that was not the plan. Um, we talked about going through Paul's epistles and, and seeing what, what, the God, what God has said to Paul about why we are saved. Uh, but we're, we're, we're staying in Ephesians 2 again. There's so much here. Uh, over the last several weeks, we've talked about we are saved because we need, I mean, the heart of it is we need to be forgiven for sin, and we need to be one for heaven, and in Christ that, that has happened. That's why we're saved. But we also have talked about, along the way, uh, last week, the heart of it is reconciliation. He died for you because he wants a relationship with you, not someday, but right now, that we were separate and far off but he has brought us back in and through Christ, his death, his resurrection, we have access uh, to the Father. And then, and then a couple of weeks ago in, Ephe in Ephesians, we saw what we're delivered from, from the course of this world, from the devil, from fleshly temptations, from uh, an ungodly thought life. But, but many times we can kind of stop there, but I don't, I don't want us to, and Scripture will push us on this, we don't want to say, what am I saved from alone? What are we saved for? What are we saved for? What are we, what are we to enjoy? What are we to be about because of this glorious, this wonderful gift in Christ uh, Jesus, our salvation? So that's what we're going to look at today. And we're going to center on two words. I'm scared to even say them in a Protestant church. Good works. Now listen. That's a, those are two shocking words. If you're going to say that out loud as a, as a Protestant and in the Bible Belt, it was just as shocking as two words I heard from uh, the other pastor who's coming to be with us in, in several weeks. Uh, Reverend Jim Genesee is our new administrative pastor. Uh, when he said liquor store to me uh, this week at annual conference, and that he was going there. He was not only going there, but he was taking the brother of one of our Sunday school teachers with him as well. And he wasn't, he didn't, when I found out about it, he didn't just go there and leave quickly. He went and stayed in public, ordained clergy. He didn't just order one item, not two, not three, four or five, and consumed them all before he left. 
I wonder who y'all are that he has to go to a liquor store before he can come here to be with y'all. Um, it's a breakfast place in Memphis. Doesn't serve any beverages. It's a breakfast place. But when I first, and he was just having fun joking with me, but when you hear those two words, you hear the word good works, those words put together, we bristle, right? What did we just sing together? It's Christ alone, right? I'm not trusting the sweetest frame, right? It's, it's his blood, his righteousness. What have we seen in verses 8 and verse 9 of our passage today? It's grace, it's gift, it's faith alone, nothing in ourselves. But then you've got this verse 10. We've got to deal with it. Because as, as rich as 8 is and verse 9 is, 10 comes after 9, okay? We've got to deal with 10. You know why? I went through several commentaries this week, and I apologize for content this morning. It's been a crazy week at annual conference. But in the commentaries I was able to search, they didn't talk about verse 10. My trusty old ESV study Bible, this commentary by so-and-so, and this commentary. When they did finally say the good works in verse 10, you know what they all said? 90% of them. That doesn't mean you're saved by works. And they pointed me back to 8 and 9. They didn't want to, they didn't want to give any attention to this because we don't want to cloud the gospel. We don't want to confuse the gospel. It is Christ who has won our salvation. And it's a gift. And so we hold on to that. But this word in verse 10, I say word, it's words. Just look at verse 10. Look at all these words workmanship, good works, God prepared, <clears throat> walk in them. This whole section in Ephesians, really all of Ephesians, but so much of it is this reminder in chapter 2 of who you were and who you are now. Um, and it's this, this sharp contrast. Go back to the very beginning of Ephesians 2. You were dead. You were dead in your sins. You've been made alive. And then right after this, this passage, I think it's verse, verse 12. Um, yeah, uh, you were separate. You were far away. You were a stranger, a foreigner. You've been reconciled and you have access to the Father. It's this clear contrast throughout. This is who you were, but this is who you are now. And though your works cannot save you, you can't boast in them, they won't merit God's favor. After he, you have received that gift, it is right that we respond to that gift with good works. Works that he's been preparing. I was reading through a book uh, called The Doctrine of good works. Uh, all three authors have had a connection with Wesley uh, Biblical Seminary. And if, if you want to go to that work, uh, that, that book, there's, some, there's, some, there's a good chapter on, on, on this text and other texts like it. Uh, as we talk about that, that those words were sensitive about good works. It, the book actually won the book of the year from, uh, in theology from Christianity Today. Um, and again, it's a little bit, as it's talking about some of these things written by academics, it's a little bit elevated, um, uh, maybe. But Paul in that book perfects the incongruity of the gift, but he does not perfect its non-circularity. 
So like I said, it's a little elevated, but it's helpful. When we read the scriptures, we want to read the scriptures and say, Lord, what, what did you want to say, especially through the people you were saying it to and for the audience that originally heard it? Oftentimes, I can open the scripture. You've been there too. It's a rough day or I'm in a struggle. I'm like, Lord, what will you say to me today? And we want to, we want to pray that. But as we do our study, we're saying, Lord, what did you say? What did you intend to say? And you intended to say it then. We kind of write in our, our southern thank you culture, right? And it's funny how we, how, how we can kind of do that where um, if, you, if you have a baby shower, uh, if you have a graduation gift, you have to write a thank you note, right? Because you've received that. But in southern culture, I almost feel like I'm pressured, okay, I... I got their note, now I feel like I need to write a note back. You know what I'm saying? It's just thank you. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Thank and grace is reciprocal. Again, it doesn't make it not grace when, he, when, when, when there's that talk in the book of non-circularity. It meaning that in that day, in that culture, you would give a gift, word that Paul, I think, uses over 100 times, charis, this gift, but gifts were given, the patron to the client in that culture, you gave a gift, it is a gift from, it's unearned, unmerited, unfavored, it's my gift to you, but the, the one who received it would give a gift back. There would be a response. God has given us a great gift in our salvation and he's calling for response from his people. Not only calling for response, but what we see here is he is preparing this for you and for me. This has been in his heart, these, these ways in which he wants to work in and through your life, in and through our church's life, in and through your family life. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt or cloud the gospel when we say that. We can read verses 8 and 9 and verse 10 together to say, yes, it's all gift. But we need to, as Christianity Today said about that book, and they were celebrating it, said, yes, we need to recover what all of Scripture says about good works. It's a good word, what we're given here by Paul. It's the word you've seen throughout the Old Testament. They know they're God's people by his initiation, by his covenant, yet they also know how they are to love their neighbor and how they are to love the stranger in the land. And you read uh, throughout the New Testament, and one of the great, it was a convicting word for me. When's the last time our bishop said to us at annual conference, when's the last time you lived, stayed in the Sermon on the Mount? When's the last time you really lived in Matthew 5 through 7 and, and heard what the Lord calls us to do and to be in response to his grace, empowered by his grace and by his spirit over and over again? And, and our bishop also quoted uh, Stephanie Ephesians 4 uh, this past week when preaching on, a, on another uh, passage, and I'm, I'm so glad to hear you mention that this morning. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. So much of Paul's letter, the first half, is wonderful theology about what Christ has done for us, what he's won for us in Ephesians here, our position in Jesus Christ, but that second half, and you see some of it in the first half, but that second half here are the, not just privileges of being a believer, but the responsibilities. Here is what the believer is to be about. And I love that Greek word here. You don't find it a lot, poema. Here's workmanship. 
You are his, some interpreters would say, as he used it in Romans for creation, but here for you, uh, you are his masterpiece. God wanting to do that work. There was a portrait of a professor painted at Cambridge uh, for uh, celebrating his career there as a professor, I think, of theology. Yes, he's a theologian. And he looked at the quality of that painting. His response to this is, in years to come, they will look at this painting and they will not think of me. They won't even worry with who I am. What they're going to think about is, who painted this? And that's the goodness of grace. It's God who does this work. He is the artist making that masterpiece, that poema of our life. That's his intentions to do his will, his work in and through our lives. I love what Christensen, and he was very influential on John Wesley, but he says, Paul puts you in your place. Faith is not self-initiated. It's from God. It's a gift of God. But he goes on to say, God's mission was not to save people in order that they may remain, that they may remain barren or inert. We've got to produce lives. And I love just hearing story after story of how God's using you to touch your neighbors, to, to bless your family, uh, to reach your community, how you're rolling up your sleeves to make a difference for the kingdom that Christ might be clear, the one who came to serve and not be served. Um, it's our Wesleyan heritage as well. It's not just Old Testament, New Testament. It's not just the pattern of the Acts church and in the Paul, Pauline epistles. But it's really, you just watch John Wesley's life and those early Methodists and the way that they're caring for children, uh, the way that they're blessing people who have been giving themselves away, male men and women who have been paid to give themselves away. And the Wesleyans, the Methodists were there ministering to them as well, going to the prisons. And really some, many, uh, many churches were not doing this, going to people on death row, but the Wesleyans did. I told you a couple of years ago about uh, a particular person in one of my previous churches, uh, her son was incarcerated and was in jail in the, in the town where I was serving that church. And uh, all of, many of us have had children who have struggled. And, and for that family, uh, it was, they just felt a sense of shame in their life. And, and it was hard to go to church. It was, you know, you just didn't want to deal with all those questions about that. I began to meet with her son routinely while he was there. And she eventually came. And uh, the Lord helped her to press through her feelings and press through her pain. And uh, soon after, she began a Bible study for women in that jail. And within a couple of weeks, maybe a month, uh, there was somebody brought to that jail who had done something horrific. And uh, a couple of months after that, I got a call from my church member and said, Barry, I need you to bring communion to the jail. They're going to allow you to come in and meet with these women and me because we've got somebody who's ready to receive. And it was that woman who had done something horrific, who was dead in her trespasses. And just days before she passed, unexpectedly, she was able to receive the body and the blood of Christ, to receive the grace of Christ in her life. That's what we're to be about. I got a Facebook message while I was at an annual conference from this 
this woman, Kelly, I've not talked to her in seven and a half years. And uh, got a Facebook message for her, and she said, Barry, just wanted to let you know, there's been days I've wanted to quit. There's days that I've felt like I've been all alone in this, but God's been faithful. And uh, he's raised up several new women to work with me in this jail ministry. So it's been going on now for 10 years. You were there when we had our first sacrament, communion. Well, this Wednesday night, we're having our first baptisms. And we're having some women commit their lives to Jesus Christ, and they'll be baptized into the faith. We are created as his workmanship, this work that God has prepared for us uh, so that others might know of the servant Jesus Christ, that they might be touched by his grace. One of my children loves to hold on to, maybe there's several of you in this room that hold on to Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's Lord, plans for prosperity, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Yes, this is also his plan. Verse 10, this is my plan. I have created you for it. This is in my heart that you be about good works. And in a world, as we prayed earlier, a world that is broken, is jaded, is cynical about church, how critical it is for us that our works match what we believe so that the light of Christ might be clear. My, my sister and uh, sister-in-law and brother-in-law, as you've heard them here before years ago, work with refugees in Austria. There's a, there's a loophole there that for, for refugees to get into Europe. It, it, it has been easier to go through Austria. So they're on the fro- forefront there. Most of the people uh, trying to get in are running from regimes, uh, but, but most of them also are, uh, are Muslim. And so Lisa and Werner are there working day in and day out, trying to bless those people, serve those people, but also uh, share with them the gospel. And I, I, they're not even sure where this particular individual was uh, who passed this week. Um, but he was a Muslim man, and they had been reaching out to him for a, for a significant season. And they had gone to see him during the last week and many of us don't have that last moment with a loved one or or especially those of us when we pass sometimes we don't have the opportunity to say things we need to say or don't take that opportunity one of this man's last words if not his last words to his father at his passing Lisa and Werner found out was about them would you gift them and he had some things he wanted them to have because of the witness and the good works of believers who walked with a Muslim as he was dying. Uh, That's the call of the church. Saved by grace, yes. Christ alone, yes. But how is it you and I are to be the hands and feet of Christ? It's one of the great things I heard this week at annual conference. We will continue to be a church and a conference that serves. Uh, Our annual conference is actually going to connect uh, with the country of Angola, uh, as their, their Methodist pastors there are having a very difficult, tough season. I won't get into that, uh, but we'll be financially supporting that, that church um, uh, and, and as a conference and partnering with them. But this week, it was just 
just around that room, just mission after mission. M28 was there, the, the camp that Corey and others put together at Lake Junaluska, as well as Wesley Foundations from State and Ole Miss. Wesley Biblical was there. Um, evangelism uh, ministry was there. I was also pleased that uh, Delta Grace was there, a church that we, we, I mean, a ministry we've supported there. The pastor over that ministry was ordained as an elder in the Global Methodist Church this week. How is it for you, how is it for me that we will be the hands and feet of Christ? Some of us don't feel worthy of that. We think we don't have gifts for that. What the Father has said through his spirit to Paul, to that church and to us, I've got plans. I've got plans. You are my workmanship, my masterpiece, and that includes this good news. I say it all the time, and I, I'm borrowing it from a professor at Wesley Biblical, but it's helped shape my life as a church, as a neighbor, as a community person, as a family member. How is it you are hearing sounds of pain, and how is it God's calling you to run to them? Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for what we see here of the great salvation we have in Jesus Christ, not merited, but that he gave all for us. And it's in his blood and righteousness alone that we trust. We thank you as well for the great and good gift of works, that we can be a part of your kingdom work, that we can serve, that we can pray, that we can come alongside of, that we can help, that we can mentor, that we can counsel in your name. Father, help us to step into whatever your Holy Spirit is calling us to do and to be, that Christ would be made known, that his goodness and grace would be shared. Oh, Father, help us to see the things you're calling us to be, help us to know your plans, and help us to respond to your great grace for us. It is in the name of Christ that we pray this prayer. Amen.